the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We uh, love when you join us. Right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. As always, Alan Dempsey does our engineering. And Andrew Herdliska is our producer. He puts the shows together. And in the first half hour, uh, Deb D. Armand is with us. And uh, we're going to talk about her book that she and her husband have written, Don't Go to Bed Angry, Stay Up and Fight. Uh, Deb is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. How are you, Deb? Nice to chat with you. I'm great, uh, Pat. How are you? Tell me about the book that uh, you and your husband have put together. Why did you write it? Well, when you're married for 41 years, Mm. still speaking to one another on a regular basis, people want to know how you accomplished that. Um, We were teenagers when we married, and the odds aren't particularly good there. But we came from families where our styles were very different, Two people with strong opinions who never had a difficult time expressing them. And we learned pretty quickly that if we were going to be able to do this and do this well, we really needed to use some some tools. We needed to get it in alignment with God. And so as people asked us, we thought this could be a book. And it is. <laughs> and it is. And it is. Well, Don't go to bed angry, stay up and fight. And it's, you know, that's a misnomer, Pat. Really, I think it's one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the Bible. Um, staying up until 3 a.m. until somebody just finally capitulates, throws in the towel and says, fine, whatever you want, is not what we're advocating. And it's not what the Word wants us to do. It says don't go to bed angry. It doesn't say don't go to bed until there's a solution. And how long does it really take to release that anger? To look at one another, say, time out, this isn't going anywhere. We're wearing one another out. We're wearing God out. He's not happy. Can we just pray, forgive one another, and come back at this tomorrow when we're both rested? But so many couples never pick up that conflict and get it resolved, so they're doomed to have the same fight again. Mm -hmm. So you've got to come back to it. There's seven uh, uh, Bs, I call them, burdens, baggage, bridges, etc. But before, before we get into that, Deb... Uh, there's there's an introduction, there's a uh, little opening here, so uh, l- let me lay it out and then you explain it to us. Introduction. Rules, there are rules, put on the gloves. Uh, what's wrong with us? Can't we just get along? And then chapter one is called Put on the Gloves. So I need you to uh, wind us through all of that before we jump into the meat of the book. Well, Ron and I were teaching at a young married uh kind of meeting one evening, and we got into the topic of conflict, and I said, they said, do you ever fight? And I said, well, of course we do. 
And they said, well, how do you manage that? And I said, well, you have to have some rules. And I started to go on, but boy, they just really stopped me and said, what do you mean rules? And so that really kind of brought us to the point of thinking about what are the commitments or the agreements if people don't like the word rules. You better have some rules because all fair and love and war is a really bad approach to a, a Christian marriage, to any marriage. But it's certainly not one that will ever please God. And so we really know that when couples say to us, oh, we just never fight, it usually means one of them has disappeared. Um, One of them has simply withdrawn, the other overpowers or bullies, or is just more verbally adept. Um, And conflict is not a bad thing. It can be a great way to cement your relationship. Ron and I are wired very differently. And we think differently, we respond differently, but together we have all the bases covered, Pat. That's huge. Mm. And so that whole idea of put on the gloves, don't be afraid to have the conflict, but do in a way that honors your marriage and honors God. Well, the first B is called burdens. Yep. Is it just us, we ask? Fill us in on burdens, Deb. Well, burdens is about the fact that you know, a burden is something that's heavy to carry. It's uncomfortable. We'll discard it if we can, and it weighs us down. And when we're weighed down, we're not at our best. And so one of the things that, that we did in in this section was to say, you know, what's wrong with us? Is, is it wrong to have conflict? Since it seems to be a really prevalent topic. When Ron and I took some surveys online, two groups, one people of faith, one with no faith affiliation whatsoever, we discovered that really the topics weren't any different and that the same things that burden believers every day in their relationships burden the rest of the world. Things like money and sex and how we'll walk out our faith and all of those kinds of things become the topics du jour. And it's really critical to remember that God holds us both accountable for the behavior that we exhibit in the marriage. And so burdens really started off on that, on that chapter. We also wanted to reassure folks with the topic of, is it just us? No, it's not just you. And frankly, if there's no conflict, you know, iron sharpens iron. That's going to create some sparks, Pat. Mm -hmm. And so you need both perspectives. You need both partners to be weighing in. And we wanted couples to know, Hey, if you're concerned that, just having conflict is not honoring to God, you're wrong. You're just wrong. It's normal. It should be expected. And it's not conflict that's the issue. It's how we deal with conflict that's the issue. And it will lead us two places, Pat, either to discovery that sounds something like, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way, or I'm sorry, I didn't know that it impacted you when I did that in such a a negative way. Or it can lead us to damage. One or both withdraw. They go to their respective corners. And because nothing's really resolved, that's going to come up again. And so we wanted couples to know it's normal, it's expected, and how you deal with it really depends on how skilled you are. You know, you can say, I'm not going to argue, and that's willpower. But skill power, skill through knowing the words, skill through applying the words, skill through having good communication skills, all of that changes the game. That's where burdens really focused. Well, we've, <clears throat> we've covered burdens, Deb. Now, uh, let's move to baggage. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about that. 
we all have some, and some of it, frankly, may serve us, and some of it just we just need to put it back on the carousel and let it go around a time or two more. Um, Lon and I grew up in very different households. Uh, I was the late child of older parents, um, Ozzy and Harriet-esque, and if they ever argued, Pat, I was never aware of it. And we never lived in a home so large that if it was happening, I was unaware of it. My mother had the ability to look over the top of her glasses and say to my father with a specific tone of voice, Larry, and that simply ended it. And either I did not inherit that gene or Ron has learned to resist my gift. And while my household was quiet and peaceful and lovely to grow up in, I came to the altar with no model for marital conflict at all, had never seen it. And Ron, on the other hand, grew up in a blended family, stepbrothers, a stepfather, um, and he describes it as kind of a volcano environment. You tried to keep everything underground because you knew when it blew, it was not going to be pleasant and people were going to get burned. And so he had learned to sort of just shove it all back down. He had no godly example of marital conflict. So we were not tremendously matched with dissimilar backgrounds, and neither of us had a clue how to deal with marital conflict. And so when we bring that baggage along, I might have entered the marriage thinking it would just be like my folks. He might have entered thinking it would just be like his. And what we had to do is say, God, neither of these models really works. Can you show us? how to do this better. And so it can be an emotional roller coaster for folks if they're trying to draw primarily on their past experiences. Now, there's some good baggage in there. And the book is dedicated to our parents because we learned some things, both the good and the not so good. And we told our own boys that they needed to determine with their spouses how to manage and navigate their lives together, that neither of the parental um, homes could be the blueprint because they were unique individuals. But every bit of that baggage, that becomes our past experience. And our experiences tend to create beliefs in us. Deb DeArmond is with us, author of Don't Go, it's co-author of Don't Go to Bed Angry. More with Deb right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour uh, here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Uh, we do this show every weekend and... Uh, Always wonderful to have you visit with us. Deb DeArmond is in Dallas-Fort Worth, and we'll pick it up with her right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Blue Book Cars in Sanford has been the place where the people of Central Florida can go to find a clean, dependable pre-owned car without breaking the bank. Owner Steve Lash reflects on the success that Blue Book Cars has had in serving the people of Central Florida. Recently, as I walked across the lot at Blue Book Cars, I had a moment to reflect and think about all the great people I have met over the years, our many, many fine customers. It made me realize how blessed we have been in so many ways. I asked myself, how is it that we have been able to serve the people of Central Florida for so long and with such great results? One of the reasons is that I encourage our salespeople to ask themselves three basic questions when working with a customer. One, am I a professional that's honest and fair? Two, can I treat each customer as if he were my pastor? And three, would the Lord approve of this deal? Blue Book Cars is the Central Florida car dealer that customers can trust completely. Visit Blue Book Cars' huge dealership in Stanford or go to bluebookcars.com. Mention WTLN when you buy a car, and Blue Book Cars will donate $100 to your church or ministry. 
Hi, Bill Files here, GM of Salem Media Group Orlando. You've heard me talk about Half Price Tuition, a great new program we have where folks just like you can purchase tuition to the finest Christian schools in Central Florida at half price. No catch, no kidding. I want to share with you some comments from a listener who recently purchased tuition for her daughter. This listener called me, and once she found out that the program was for real, she and her husband decided to buy it. She said, before we hang up, I wanted to thank you and to share with you that my husband and I have been praying for a way to send our girl to Christian school. Your half-price tuition program has made that possible. Thank you. This is what it's all about. If you or someone you know could benefit from our half-price tuition program, I hope you'll give me a call, 407-618-1760, or visit our website, AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-price tuition, another positive idea from Salem Media Group Orlando. Schools like the Geneva School and Altamont Christian School are available right now. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Deb DeArmond is with us, the co-author of Don't Go to Bed Angry. Uh, Deb, we have moved to this topic. Uh, The next B is called Bridges. Uh, Talk to us about Bridges, please. Well, Bridges is where we begin to say this isn't working. How do we bridge this gap together? How do we go beyond what we've done in the past? And so much of that really is around those skills. You need to have tools, and you need to have some rules. And so Chapter 4 really bridges that concept is communication tools that work. It was the number one issue that couples said created conflict for them in their marriage, both for people of faith and people without a faith affiliation. And so if you don't communicate well, then every other issue after that child raising, um, sex, money, all of it is going to be more difficult because you lack the basic ability to do this and do it well. And so we uh, include in in our work an acronym, and it's SPEAK or SPEAK UP. And each of those letters is sort of a path on the way to good communication. S is for speak, seek permission to have the discussion. You know, if I feel like I need to take on an issue with him the minute he walks in the door not knowing what's happened in his day, how he's feeling, it could be exactly the wrong time, Pat. And so I've taken most of the opportunity to be successful right off the table. So ask, is this a good time? And if not, set a time that works. P is to present the issue, the concern, the idea, the opportunity, to sort of lay out what your thoughts are and to do it in a way that doesn't accuse or blame. E is for explore solutions. Asking some good open-ended questions. What are your thoughts about what what I've shared with you? Um, how do you feel about it? Do you think that's a possibility? All of those good kinds of questions that draw the other person into engaging in the conversation with you. And then A is for acknowledge what you hear. That requires good listening. Um, it's your turn to stop talking, the other person's turn to start talking. And so listening is the undervalued communication skill. Um, if they're not happy about it, if they're upset about it, acknowledge those things. Use some empathy. And K, I always think of as sort of the standard that holds the rest of the letters up, and it's keep focused on the present issue. Don't get dragged into past history. It's just not helpful, the you always and the you never. And so that's really about some of the bridges, and we help people learn the difference between how to create open dialogue rather than just sort of an interview with closed-ended questions. That's never particularly good. And you want to Ask yourself, how does this affect the other person? Keep that in mind while you're talking. So the very first step.
step in bridging this gap is adopt a communication process that you can both use together that will serve the relationship, not just the individual. Having that done, Deb, we're ready to move on to barriers. Uh, You do a fairly lengthy spread here on barriers, so uh, take your time and uh, fill us in on all this. Well, this is sort of attached to the baggage we bring. Um, The barriers that that surface in our lives have to do with where we've been, what we've learned, and how we've either processed or used that information. And so for someone who grew up in perhaps a very volatile home, they want to avoid conflict at all costs. Someone who's never been allowed to express their opinion may um, now take his or her opportunity to do so. And so we look at four different conflict styles. We take a look at Avoidance, which is not the path to peace that so many people believe that it is. Um, we take a look at accommodation, and that's just sort of the go along to get along. I'm not really happy about it, but I'm not going to make a big fuss. And then there's the aggressive individual who's going to win at all costs, and that's probably um, a bill that they cannot pay. And then somewhere in a really healthy place is assertive. That's the person who actively seeks to resolve the conflict. They believe it's a healthy approach to reaching agreement. They're not overly aggressive, but they make themselves um, heard and they're open to other people's perspective. One of the pieces in, in barriers that's, I think, critical is that so many folks say, I don't like confrontation. Well, you can confront an issue, a barrier, without being confrontational. I mean, think about the example that we have um, in the word where Jesus confronted Peter after the resurrection. Peter was despondent. He had gone back to fishing. He had taken some with him. And Jesus asked him, not once, not twice, but three times, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says that by the third time, Peter was grieved in his spirit. Why did Jesus choose to do that? Well, the goal of that confrontation was to bring Peter back into the fold. He wanted to connect with him. And the goal of confrontation is connection. And as long as the language of confrontation is love, it's a really restorative process because what we do not confront becomes our culture. And then that sort of devolves and becomes our life. So we encourage couples to go back and take a look at where their barriers came from. Did they come from a previous relationship? Did they come from your family of origin and how conflict was dealt with? And get very clear that avoidance is not a path to peace and that we confront because we desire to connect. That moves us to the next topic, Deb. Boundaries. Actually, um, barrier. I'm sorry, boundaries is next. You're absolutely right. Barriers uh, then give way to boundaries, and y- yes, a lot. A lot of people don't like to be hemmed in, and this really does sort of um, connect back to the idea of rules that we talked about at the top of the of the discussion. Boundaries are designed to keep us safe. We, we fence in our backyard so that our children don't wander into the street. And if there's going to be conflict and you're going to learn to fight fair, creating some rules of engagement is an important part of that process. And so I don't sure, I'm not sure that we ever sat down and said, so let's make some rules. I think they sort of evolved, Pat, after a, an unpleasant or ugly discussion where we weren't happy with one another and God was happy with neither of us. And said, what is it that we need to do in order to manage conflict, resolve it, but do it in a way that's safe 
for both of us. And so that couple, the, the couple's group that we addressed were very interested in what our, in what our rules were. And, and they're fairly simple. Um, we, we don't fight in front of our kids. Now we never lived in a house big enough that if we were fighting, they knew about it. Mm. And so when we, ask forgiveness for one another. We had to do the same with them. We're sorry. We've troubled the peace in the house. Will you forgive us? And all three boys said that was important for them to learn and especially helpful as they got married. Another rule is that the Word of God is a blueprint blueprint for our lives together. We're believers first before we're husband and wife. And so if we can't find agreement, um, we'll let God's Word settle it. And a good number of the times, it's there. We just haven't seen it. Nobody in our in our relationship is allowed to get in the car and drive off. It's not good for them. It's not good for the other drivers on the road. <laughs> um, and we leave it, when it's passed, we leave it there. It's not fair to drag up the, the old history to make our case and make our point. And it's not helpful to resolving the conflict at hand. And we really do give uh, the couples that, that look through the book a sort of a, a blueprint to create their own rules. Theirs will probably be very different than ours, Dad. There's not a, a lock and load set. But we did give them some encouragement to look up some specific scriptures and then to have some conversation. When does it go south on you? When do you find it moving away from something productive? What happens in that moment and how can you counteract that? And so boundaries keep us safe. They keep us hemmed in hope, as my friend Cynthia Rugby would say because we're going to base it on the Word. Now, Deb, let's talk about blessings. That's obviously important. Yeah, and that chapter is subtitled, How Do We Get There From Here? And mm. it really does follow on the boundaries chapter, because this is where we, we talk about the importance in Amos 3.3. 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And so this is where we're offering um, our readers an opportunity to identify how they will um, set those boundaries, what agreements they'll make, how they'll proceed in their own um, in their own personal relationship, and there's a, a vision um, template that we offer on the website for those who have purchased the book, and it's really about sharpening your tools. If you don't have a vision for where you're going, the Bible's clear: without a vision, the people perish, or maybe they just stay up all night and argue. And you have to know what are the what are the big issues in your marriage. Get very focused on having some specific discussions. We call them the big rocks. And then what are the petty annoyances? We're often asked, do you fight about the same things today as you did when you were newlyweds or in that first 10 years? And the answer is no. Um, those first, you know, five or six, seven years, you're, you're sort of finding how you can work together on the big rocks, on how you spend and how you save and how you invest. Um, on how your children will be raised and what discipline looks like for them. Those were the big rocks then. And in this part of our lives after 41 years, to be really honest with you, these days it's, couldn't you hit the hamper with those socks? Um, <laughs> and it, it doesn't really become, you know, I think when, when we were younger and raising children and we were also taking care of my elderly parents at the same time in those first about 15 to 20 years, um, we didn't have time to notice the small, petty things. And typically these days, we often just kind of laugh at some of those things that we now feel like it's necessary to point out because we were too busy to point them out 20 years ago. But the idea that we're purposeful about so many things. People make plans, financial plans. 
They make vacation plans. They make wedding plans. But are they planning for their marriage? I'm not sure they are. And so to be purposeful to say, let's sit down and talk about how we're going to deal with these issues that can become dividers and get unified first under how we'll address them so that we can become um, unified in how we live that out. And the blessings when they come, they're rich. People ask us, so do you still fight? Sure we do. But about different kinds of things, and we've learned how to manage the process by submitting to one another and submitting to God as we do it. What do you want people to take from this discussion? What's the bottom line here, Deb? I think that the bottom line is if you're not having any conflict, probably one of you has disappeared. Mm. And so conflict is healthy. It's inevitable with two people who are not afraid to um, express their thoughts, their feelings to their mate. And if that's the case, then learn how to do it like we do anything else. You want to learn how to ski? Take some lessons. Practice. Learn how to do it. You want to become more skilled um, in, in the Word of God? Get into the Bible. Do some studies. It's the same thing here. Conflict is a communication process. If your communication tools are sharp and they're able to support you, then conflict becomes a positive thing in your life. Two heads are always better than one unless one's not willing to listen to the other. This book, I think, will help you learn how to do just that. Deb, by the way, uh, collaborating on this book with your husband, did that create any conflict? <laughs> well, he's always been part of my writing process. He's always my first reader and, and offered me feedback, but it was an offer. I could take it or not. It was different. And yes, we did have some moments when we didn't remember things in our life together the same way. It was kind of funny, to be honest. But there were a couple of tense moments where we had to go back and lean on our good skills. Um, there were times when I'd say, oh, do you remember when we took that vacation? Blah, blah, blah. And he'd say, yeah. He said, and, and then this happened? And I'd go, no, that's not the way that happened. So it was, it was kind of interesting, but it, it's been a gift. This is not a book that could have been written by either of us alone. And I think one thing that makes it unique is so often the books are written either by a woman or a man. And it's easy to allow your perspective to be the louder one. Here, there's a balanced view and a balanced perspective that speaks, I think, to both men and women. What's next for you? Do you have another project in the in the pipeline here? Well, we've got a couple that we're looking at, and I think the next one will be about the the trend in Christian marriage that is a little bit frightening, and that is that while the divorce rate has gone down for the general population, it's gone up for those of us over 50. Mm. What happens? I'm not sure. And George Barna tells us that the statistics are nearly identical for Christians as they are for nonbelievers. That's scary to me. What happens? What didn't happen earlier in their life? How are they dealing with issues now? Did they just simply wait it out until the kids left home? I don't know, but I want to know. And I want to help couples find a way to head that off early so that they can avoid that being their outcome or to do some repair if necessary um, to make that marriage work. You know, marriage is a the example that Christ gives, that, that the Bible gives of Christ and his church. My guest has been Deb DeArmond from Dallas, uh, author, co-author of Don't Go to Bed Angry. Uh, we've got more after this. Stay with us right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Due to an upturn in the economy, Main Street Business Loans has pre-approved the release of millions of dollars in small business funding. Your business may already be pre-approved to receive up to $250,000. We've sent out millions of pre-approval letters. We see the economy growing, and our underwriters believe now is the time to invest in your business so you can grow faster and make more money. And we're prepared to give you up to $250,000 to do it. Your funds can be available in five days. There are no application fees, no annual fees, just quick access to up to $250,000. If your business did not receive your approval letter to get up to $250,000, call Main Street Business Loans Approval Desk now. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459 Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. It's a great blessing to be able to come into your home and cars via radio each weekday evening at 6.30 with Verse by Verse. The Apostle Paul told his young protege, Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That's my passion, to accurately understand and teach God's word of truth. I hope you'll tune in weekdays at 6.30 p.m. to Verse by Verse on WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. In program. Oh, Correct. absolutely. You So you let her, right. let her fly, Liz. Let her fly. All right. Yeah, we go 15. We go 15. There we go. And then 10. There we go. So our guest in that first half hour, Deb DeArmond, happy to have her with us. Uh, Elizabeth Brown joins us from Johnson City, Tennessee, uh, the author of Standing Up <clears throat> When Life Falls Down Around You. Elizabeth, great uh, to chat with you. I'm so glad you can join me. How are you? Oh, well, I am fine, and I'm happy to be here. So tell me about uh, Standing Up When Life Falls Down Around You. What's your message here? My message is it helps so much if you understand what to expect. When life does fall down around you, when you hit problems that are not just challenges, but absolute crises, tsunamis in your life, and you don't feel you can get back up. And there are choices that must be made. Uh, time and time and faith help, of course, but they're choices you have to make. Well, the first topic that you get into, you call it standing up. What happens to you is not as important as your response to it. Absolutely. Uh, We all have a choice of how we're going to handle the things in our life, but we do need anchors and lifelines because the emotions that come with grief, with loss, with hurts, and any of those things in our life that 
seem to want to take us out. There are things we can do to keep our minds from cocooning around that, locking us in darkness. Now let's talk about topic number two, facing your giant. If you do not believe you can win, you will lose your battle. Absolutely. Isn't it true? When David fought Goliath, he believed in himself because he had had past experiences and he knew God was with him. And those of faith know God is with you, but you feel alone and you feel lost. And you need to know, like David did, that all the experiences of your past have have given you the tools to get up, the, the slingshot to fight your giant. Now, <clears throat> topic number three, uh, my guest is Elizabeth Brown. Finding your way, taking responsibility for your recovery. And I love this quote by Dwight Eisenhower, Elizabeth. It's not the size of the dog in the fight that is as important as the size of the fight in the dog. Well, and it, you know, it's not your age either. Uh, a child has to make the same decisions as a, an old person at the end of his life. You have to make the decision to trust that you're in the midst of something, but that God is with you and he cares. And he will give you the strength to fight through whatever it is. And even a young child must do that. Now let's talk about when pain is a good thing. Uh, warning, life without pain could really hurt you. Well, who wants pain? And uh, that's the question that rings in your mind. It just hurts. I can't stand it. I can't stand being where I am. But you're there. And uh, no one wants pain, but there's a great story in Standing Up, which is about a little child who was born without pain and the ability to sense pain. And she she would spun a nail and just keep walking. She would bite her fingers and cause them to bleed or, or take chunks out of her skin without even realizing that she had hurt herself. You have to have pain in order for you to sense the things. And pain in our spiritual sense and in in the things that happen with catastrophe help us look at what's really important in life, to prioritize, to know we can stand up when we've been knocked down. Uh, there are a lot of gifts that come with those painful times in our life that none of us want. Elizabeth Brown is a teacher, speaker, and professional counselor in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, we're talking about her book, Standing Up When Life Falls Down Around You. <clears throat> now, uh, Elizabeth, talk to us about redirecting your thoughts and your emotions, uh, controlling the direction of your thoughts, and you control the direction of your life. Well, Always, when you are in an emotional tsunami, the emotions take over, and they are so strong. They threaten to pull you under. It doesn't matter what your strength or, or all the support groups around you, these emotions cocoon, and they pop up at the most unexpected times. You, you'll think, I'm handling things. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm making it, and then suddenly you're just thrown back to the floor again. And so there are things you can do. For instance, you, you've just gone through a devastating divorce and you focused on what you did wrong or what you should have done to make it better. All of the, the things that come in it or the anger that comes with it. And when those times come, instead of focusing on that, you've got to focus on 
isn't it wonderful that you were strong enough to make a commitment and to uh, work through problems because you did work through some problems and and to learn lessons from those things. When you've lost someone you love, you need to be focused on what you did have, the gift of the time that you had with them as opposed to the fact that you don't have them with you. And that is so difficult because you feel like if you if you don't stay and wallow in hurt and anguish, then you've you are discrediting the life that was with you or you're letting someone off the hook. So there are thoughts that you can have that will change those memories from bad to happy memories and keep you focused on going and bring joy back into your life. Now tell us about handling the bully. Oh, anger is a bully, isn't it? Anger and guilt, they just wrap us. and, And yet anger is a first responder. You've got to be able to be angry when things come at you that are unfair and unjust because that's our protection. But it's only one letter short of danger. When you add a D to anger, you get danger. And that's when it becomes toxic and it controls your thoughts. And so, like all thoughts that are negative, they also have gifts in them, and you have to learn to take the gifts and throw away the, the bad part of the emotion. Elizabeth, I want you to talk about <clears throat> the elephant in the room. The only mistake you ever truly make is the mistake you never learn from. Absolutely. Isn't it sad how no matter what happens in life, we are wrapped in guilt? Uh, Sad and good. The good part of guilt is it helps you look at your life, what you could do to make things better, uh, what you should have done in the relationship, what you uh, have learned from it, the good and the bad. But guilt is aimed right directly at me. And the things that you don't let go of turn guilt into shame. And when it becomes shame, it destroys you as it wraps you in and makes you feel different from everyone else. Elizabeth, I want you to uh, teach us about uh, this topic. Uh, you call it when problems stack. Uh, what, what, what do you mean by that? Isn't it true? Has anyone ever had something come in their life that, especially major catastrophes or changes, when change comes, it never comes just packaged with one. We've got the old saying, things come in threes. Well, it may come in tens. Uh, you divorce, you lose, a, uh, you lose someone in your life, and suddenly it doesn't just change that one relationship, it changes all the relationships around you. It causes you to uh, think about moving, all the things that come with it. You lose one job, and now you're in a struggle to keep the bills paid. So it, it everything compiles. That's just part of change. And it's part of dealing with this because you feel like you're getting back up and getting on your feet, and then something else comes in and throws a wrench in your plan. How about this one? The stories you believe, you cannot change the past, but you can change the story that you tell yourself of the past. Well, isn't that, we all evaluate what we do. We go to a family reunion and we come home angry at someone in the family who is just 
said something rather stupid to us. And so we focus on that instead of the good memories of the of the family reunion. And so it becomes critical that we learn to keep our mind focused on the positive. Well, what you've learned is maybe in a family relationship, uh, you don't want to always put your foot back to be stepped on. You move out of the situation or you learn not to respond back. And that's what you call controlling yourself and uh, taking the good out of things as opposed to the negative. It's very difficult to do because we all want to focus on the injustices and the hurts of our life. And uh, changing that around to where we see it as, well, I've learned from this, is a difficult process, but it's critical to our being able to move on in life. What do you mean by coping with the pop-ups? You can't stop thoughts, but... You can refuse to let them play in the attic of your mind. Well, it's like letting something live rent-free in your head when you have these thoughts that pop up. Mm. But you can't stop thoughts. Uh, When my daughter died, uh, I would be going down the road in the car not thinking a bit about her life, just moving on, and then suddenly I would be overwhelmed with tears because Underneath everything, these thoughts are still in your mind and in your heart, and they will pop up. And so what I did is I would learn when those things popped up, I would say, I'm so grateful it hurts, because that means I had a positive, a great relationship. I, I had a wonderful daughter. And so I would say it over and over, because one time said doesn't do anything. It just lets you stay there. But your actions and your emotions will calm down if you develop some pop-up thoughts for the pop-ups. Next topic, Elizabeth, where faith and life meet. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I think everyone, when they first experience catastrophe, are just, it's shock, and it's a shock in your faith, too. And the only way you stand up is by God's grace. But as As life goes on and as the longing continues, the questions begin, and those are, well, if God cares, doesn't he care for me? And if he can, why didn't he for me? It becomes very personal in your relationship with God. It's not that you didn't trust him. It's not that you don't trust him, but you wonder. And then, of course, you can lock into that for a lifetime. Or you can work through it, knowing to expect that, and that it's not that your faith isn't strong, but that your faith is becoming still and, and becoming all the firmer as you learn to trust. Elizabeth Brown is our guest. We're talking about her book, Standing Up When Life Falls Down Around You. Uh, tell us about uh, the help beyond understanding that you write about in Chapter 12? Well, as you're traveling through these times, there there are points when you just cannot do it on your own. You can't put your hand out to the enemy that has just uh, thrown a dagger into you. You can't uh, forgive because it's just too difficult, and the hurt is too great. And those moments... It's just a period where you say, I can't, I can't. But 
many times you'll feel something happen that you can't even explain. It's just a calm that comes over your spirit. And suddenly you say the right thing instead of the wrong thing that would have added more chaos to your life. Uh, there will be times you just know to call someone. You don't know why, but it's an urge in you, and you'll call, and it was at the right moment. There are moments in our life that we can't explain why, but it, when it happens, we just feel compelled to do it, and that's our spirit working underneath everything to keep us going and to keep us uh, remembering who we are in, in God's love and in his care for us. But we do need to listen to it, because if we don't, many times we put ourselves right back into a more difficult situation. Elizabeth Brown is our guest from Johnson City, Tennessee. we got another segment with Elizabeth, so stay with us. We're talking about her book, Standing Up When Life Falls Down Around You. And just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour We do this show every weekend on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are your car bills just getting higher and higher each time you take it in for service? Is every time you take your auto in for service dreaded because you feel they're selling you repairs and maintenance you just don't need? Well, upselling is the way most companies work today, to drain your pocketbook and pad their profits. So what should you do? For 41 years, the crew at Blue Book Cars Service Center have worked hard to earn your repeat business and help their customers be good stewards of their money. It's their responsibility to be honest and repair your vehicles at the best price. Their low, low service labor rate has been the same for over eight years. Their qualified staff and service techs repair vehicles, not just to replace costly parts, unless necessary. And they don't upsell anything. Come visit Blue Book Service Center. Call 407-321-0741 for an appointment. Mention WTLN and ask about the Blue Book Service Center welcome free loaner vehicle while your vehicle is in for service. Call 407-321-0741. Find out more online at bluebookcars.com. Legal representation is often about personal values. Hello, I'm Karen Eastry, attorney. For probate, estate planning, divorce, adoption, guardianship, issues concerning children and the aged, call me at the law offices of Alper and Eastry at 407-869-0900. I am a lawyer who not only speaks for you, I share your values with the experience, energy, and enthusiasm to represent you effectively. My ultimate goal is to help you reach a satisfactory conclusion to your legal problems, to find peace, and to be able to move on with your life. Call me, Karen Eastry, at 407-869-0900 or visit my firm's website, altamontlaw.com. My office is conveniently located in Altamont Springs, close to I-4. So call today to make sure you have someone by your side at 407-869-0900. Offices, Altamont Springs. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Elizabeth Brown is with us talking about her book, Standing Up When Life Falls Down Around You. Elizabeth, let's talk about letting it go. When you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you do change the future. 
Pat, it is so hard to forgive. It feels like you're letting someone off the hook or yeah. or you are forgetting something that has been hurtful or the very person that you care about if you if you forgive something. But it's it's crucial to your life. Uh, forgiving isn't for the other person. It's a nice thing for the other person. But you're forgiving so that you aren't held captive to something that has happened. Um, Elizabeth Smart, who was a young child and, mm-hmm. and uh, captive, uh, wrote about her mother telling her, don't let this man have another minute of your life. He's stolen so much from you. Let it go. Forgive it. Not forgive it for his sake, but for your sake. And uh, that's what we all have to do. And it's so hard because even Joseph in the Bible, when he was at the peak of power, and I'm sure saw God's hand uh, in his life and knew that God had put him where he was. When his brothers came and he saw them for the first time after many years and he realized that they had been so disloyal to him and even threatened to kill him before selling him into slavery. It was painful. All those memories rushed back because he had not forgiven them. It was there, and it's buried. Those things don't go away until we address them and let them go. And that's a process. It takes time. It's not just an immediate word I forgive you, and it's over. You have to work through it in your emotions. And I'll I'll tell you something that has helped me tremendously. As we dealt with issues that compiled after our daughter's death, we we would feel sorry for the person who said the wrong thing. I'm just sorry. They don't understand because they haven't been here. Or I'm sorry for this. It, It keeps you from hardening. It keeps you from looking at life with tainted glasses. It it gives you empathy and caring for people because someone hasn't had your experience or someone is lacking the ability to really be a good friend because of the things they do. And that that is to be sorry for them. So that's a powerful phrase in our pop ups when they come to be able to look at things with with a phrase that keeps you soft in your heart let's talk about dealing with family and friends the shortest distance between two points is the route you travel in the company of a friend it's important to let friends in Uh, a woman came and she said no one talks about my husband it's like he he wasn't even part of our life my best friends don't even talk about and i asked her do you open the door? Do you ever say anything about him? And she said, no, no, I might cry. And I said, well, if you don't open the door, people don't want to walk in without being invited. So I said, next time, when it's reasonable, not all the time, people won't listen to you. They'll run away from you if all the time you're focused on you. But if you say something like, wow, Michael would really have loved these hot dogs. He was a real hot dog king, wasn't he? Then at that barbecue, it opens the door for people to say what they want to say because he was also their friend. So we need to find ways to let people walk with us, not everyone. For those people who are outside our circles and who just uh, are expressing kindness, you don't need to tell them everything. You need to say this journey is tough. It's hard. 
but you don't need to give them all the details. Uh, but close friends, someone who's willing to walk with you, let them in. Let's uh, talk about seeking your purpose. Uh, Mark Twain put it this way, the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found uh, you find out why. Well, that's exactly right. And uh, when my... I, I've lost two children. My first daughter died before mm. her seventh birthday from just a, a, a simple virus that maybe most people could have mm. knocked off. And it took me years to recover. And not that I wasn't involved. I had, I was speaking across this country to, to thousands of people in grief, but I was consumed by longing for her. And when I would speak, I would be wrapped in pain from other people that brought my pain even more more strongly back until I made the choice and it is that word is important I made the choice to say I'm grateful for the time I had I'm grateful for the gift of her life and then when I went and spoke with others instead of coming home pain I came home thinking you know God has given me such a gift because I understand what others are feeling and so we can talk as as knowledgeable to each other of the pain, and it was a gift. It was a purpose. My second child was uh, in her early 40s with four young children, and she developed leukemia. Mm. And I knew I had to stand back up, and I had to do it quickly because within two years after a major loss, a major crisis in your life, there's very likely that you will have some catastrophe in health. I had a stroke. I was 40 years old. Uh, I'm not heavy. I exercise. I have no family history, but I had had a catastrophe that consumed my being. And so I knew to keep your family together, to keep your life together, to keep your health healthy, you must put those anchors and lifelines into your life and immediately begin. You you cannot wait for 10 years or five years. The average divorced, one person within that divorce, so 50% of those people are still locked in anger or hurt or blaming the rest of their life and its misery on the fact that they're divorced. It's, it's, it's destructive. And it destroys your health. And so those are why it's so critical to know what to expect and to to appreciate the, the prescription for good health that is found in the Bible in our faith. There, God says, this is what you must do. You must do. And if you do it, joy comes back into your life and the memories return without being memories that consume you. They give you lessons to learn and help you prioritize life next topic elizabeth when you want to help and again mark twain says the best way to cheer yourself is to try to cheer somebody else up you've got to get your eyes off your belly button literally (laughs) literally uh as long as you stay focused on your pain you will be wrapped in it But if you reach out to someone else who's hurting and become concerned for them and care for them in a loving, caring way, not a give-you-advice way, but a caring way, you'll find that every time you do that, 
It pulls your eyes away from your own hurt and gives you relief, and that's critical to recovery, critical. Now, Elizabeth, let's talk about the next topic, <clears throat> the forgotten children. Uh, what, what are you telling us here? I'm telling you that the one thing in our society that we do not do is talk to children about critical issues that have, are happening. We we don't think they pay attention. I can tell you stories that just make you cry because you you see children who need and they feel the very same things an adult feels, but without any understanding of what they're feeling. Uh, there are three stages of a child's development, and you have to talk to the child on the level he is and help him understand it's all right to feel hurt. It's all right to feel guilty. They do feel it. It's all right to feel angry and help them understand because otherwise they lock into it just as you're locking into it. My guest has been Elizabeth Brown. And by the way, the 18th and final chapter, you will get through this. Uh, Elizabeth Brown has written the book. I'm glad that you can join us and uh, listen to her, Standing Up When Life Falls Down Around You. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining us. We're glad uh, when you plug in here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In the first half hour, Deb DeArmon was with us. And then uh, Elizabeth Brown from uh, Tennessee plugged in and we talked about her book, Standing Up When Life Falls Down Around You. Please visit my website, folks. It is um, patwilliams.com. The Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, check out my most recent book. It's called Leadership Excellence in bookstores now and talks about the seven sides of leadership. <coughs> in the meantime, have a great day in church tomorrow with your family. And a wonderful week ahead, and we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.